Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast for the technician that wants to get real. Follow along as we talk to industry professionals and address hot topics that we all face. Along the way, we'll learn tips and tricks. I'm your host, Trent Manning. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Real Turf Techs Podcast Mental Health Series. Today, we're bringing you the third episode in the series featuring previous guests sharing their stories of dealing with mental health challenges. Our goal with this series are to let the Real Turf Tech community know that you and your loved ones are not alone in facing mental health challenges, to decrease the stigma around talking about mental health, and to encourage people to seek help and support. Today, we'll be talking with the man with our favorite Twitter handle, John Barroso, or as we all know him, J.C. John shares with us today how anxiety impacted his life. Let's talk to John. All right, let's do this. Looking back, what were some early signs you were struggling? So for me, anxiety is what my major issue was. And I can remember pacing around my house. And at first didn't like really click that something was really wrong. Mm-hmm. It was almost to me a tick that I had like, where I was just anxious about the day, the next day, what was going on. But like looking back on it, it was a huge sign that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. How old were you when? I was in my mid twenties. Okay. So, I mean, figure mid twenties, working flat rate, you worked, went to the bar, came home, did it over and over and. Mm-hmm. So some of that may have made me overlook a lot of things at the time. Yeah. Because it was rinse and repeat just day after day. But mm-hmm. like I said, starting to the pacing and it turned into not being able to sleep regularly to where I was up for a few days. Oh, wow. What helped you move from your low point to where you are now? I got to talk about where my low point was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hear about the low point. So I'm working at a dealership place. I really didn't want to be. I was asked to go work there by a service manager to help them out. So it was really stressful for me there because I'm there trying to help him out. Meanwhile, not wanting to be there at all. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I started off just pacing around while I was at home and like, I still do it on the phone. Like I'm talking on the phone, I'll I'll pace around, but I think it's just how I am. Yeah. 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 You just can't stand still when I'm talking on the phone for some reason, Mm -hmm. but so I like started pacing around and it started getting worse to where I couldn't focus at work. So I didn't want to be there. It got to a point where I would drive to work and not get out of my car because I was so anxious about going in wow. and dealing with it. So I would call off from the parking lot. And then it got to the point where I wasn't sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. And I can remember just pacing around my house, go outside, smoke a cigarette, come back in, pace around. It was through a weekend. So I probably didn't sleep that whole weekend. Monday, I call off because there's no way I was going to work. I just mm-hmm. could not go in. And I think at the point, I, I can't remember what time it was, but I just finally called my father. I'm like, listen, you're not going to understand, but you have to come pick me up and take me to the doctor. Yeah. Because I just could not, like, I couldn't even get my car to drive. Yeah. So reaching out for help was kind of my turning point to where I got diagnosed and Obviously a treatment where it was offered for at the time. I mean, they give you medicine, you know, okay, you're going to feel better. And 
if you don't mind me asking, what was the diagnosis? Anxiety, depression. Okay. So I go to the doctor and I guess it was a physician's assistant that was actually talking to me. She gave me a piece of paper with all these questions on it. And she said, I'll just fill this out and we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there reading this paper and I'm very good at reading things and taking tests and analyzing what I'm seeing or reading. And I'm looking at this piece of paper and I'm just like, kept on calling her over. I'm like, what does this mean? I don't understand what they're asking me. And it's just a bunch of boxes you check off. And I had no clue, couldn't focus on it. It was a blur, but also everything was in slow motion at the same time. It was crazy. But after being on the medication and talking it out with everybody, what was going on, why I was doing what I was doing, it definitely got me get past it to where I could get off the medication and go back to a somewhat normal mm-hmm. life. Do you think life ever gets normal? No, I mean, it's normal to an extent, but what I learned the most from it was not to take what's going on is focus, hyper-focus on the stress of everything going on. My wife doesn't understand how I do it now with to where I work, how I can just come home and not even talk about most of my day. Mm-hmm. Everyone will see what I deal with on a daily basis on, on some respects, what I can share, what I can't share. It's, right. There's a lot that goes on that just doesn't get on social media or talked about really. Like I said, one day, hopefully I'll be able to talk about some of that stuff, but I can just shut it off as soon as I leave work. Obviously, if they call me at midnight, I usually go in to do whatever I got to do, but it's the fact that what happened today ends today, tomorrow I deal with the next thing and learning that to where I didn't hyper-focus like, hey, I was to the point where I was thinking about what was going to happen tomorrow so much that, like I said, I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. To where at least now, like I kind of like, yeah, there's stuff that does bother me, but it doesn't get to that point. Right. I have episodes, I guess episodes, not really episodes, but I can feel when I'm getting anxious. Mm-hmm. I know just to like calm down and not let it take over like my life. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, you know. But that's a lot easier said than done. I think a lot of times too. Yeah. Do you learn how to cope with it? After... I weaned off the medication and everything kind of got back to a normal life. I mean, I still was drinking, you know, I didn't stop that until I can't remember the last time I had a drink. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't want to, it's just, I don't need to. I don't even have the desire. Probably earlier this year, I bought a six pack and never drank it. It just sat mm-hmm. in my refrigerator until just like, okay, we're throwing this away now because yeah. it's, I mean, some people's escape is that, and I guess for how much I used to drink, I just don't. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think that probably is a lot of release for, or a coping mechanism or whatever for a lot of people that are struggling with yeah. alcohol. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's hard to ask for help when you're in a situation because until it got to the point where I couldn't leave my house and I'm like, well, if I, I can't leave my house, I can't, I got to have somebody come get me. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. And like, it took that me to get to that point to ask for help. Right. And my father at the time, like he couldn't understand any of it. He's like, I don't understand. What do you think? What do you mean? You can't leave your house. I'm like, you need to come here and get me. Yeah, he just yeah. couldn't like fathom what was going on. I don't know if he ever understood because like, you know, if you never threw like a, a situation, an episode like that, you, you just don't understand it. What did you learn? from going through your struggles? 
like I said, definitely not to hyper-focus on issues that aren't really that big, but your mind makes them way bigger than they really are. Yeah. You can't turn it off. It just eats at you and eats at you. So I just, I wasn't myself at all. I think the only night I spent in my parents' house was that night my dad picked me up. I went back to my house, but I can remember my mom just looking at me really weird because the way I was talking, I couldn't form complete sentences. Mm -hmm. It was just complete slow motion. And it wasn't that I was medicated. It was just how my brain was just Mm -hmm. almost like, I definitely are not hyper-focused and how to deal with day-to-day stress. And I can't explain how I do it. I can just shut it off and move on to the next day, to the next problem, to the next. Did you learn that through self-help or through therapy or? Like really just myself, because the only thing they really did was, you know, do like a questionnaire, put me on medication, you know, tell me we'll revisit it down the road. If the medication's helping, if it isn't helping, if we need to up your dosages, lower your dosages. Mm-hmm. And how I came off of medication is so once it's fully in effect, I almost was looking at myself from above myself. And while I could function and do everything day to day, I was almost outside my body. I definitely did not like how I felt on medication. And it kind of made me wean myself off of it. Even though they told me not to, I just knew this is where I was going to be forever. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. real weird. I know I've talked to people who've been on the same medication and they're like, oh, I love it. Cause I you know I'm not me. And I'm like, well, uh, I wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't like it. I don't know if I could deal with being the way I was after either. And that made sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's life like now for you? I mean, it's pretty good. Like I said, I have. Every so often I'll have anxiety come up and I could feel it. I know how it feels now. Mm-hmm. Before I didn't know what it was. Now that I know what it is and know I can stop hyper-focusing on whatever is causing it. Mm-hmm. For the most part, to me, it's normal. I still have pacing around sometimes or get that nervousness feeling. But mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, it's just normal life now. As, as normal as normal is right now, even right, right, right. or so, which is, so earlier this year, I had surgery on my thyroid. So I took out half my thyroid. It's cause I, I had a, it ended up being a decent sized lump on my throat. Like it was, okay. got very noticeable. And obviously with COVID last year, I wanted to get it looked at, but with mm-hmm. COVID being so new and no one wanted to go to doctors cause it was the yeah. last place you wanted to go with the doctor. So it was like. Well, I'll just wait and see. But it got to the point where I started affecting my breathing. Wow. And I'm like, having my father go through mouth and throat cancer, I'm just like, oh, it's gonna, this ain't going to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. And so to get back to normalcy, I didn't completely freak out or throw myself back into a loop with it. I just, you know, well, we're going to deal with this as it comes. I don't know anything yet. And we, you know, I had to go through biopsies and shoving the camera down my nose and my throat and... He said that my throat looked good, so that's a good sign. And I mean, until they actually took the nodule out, they couldn't guarantee me it wasn't cancerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily it wasn't, but 
for not to be hyper-focused and, you know, go back into a anxious episode. We're going through that. And I think I definitely kind of, you know, could say I'm normal per se, but yeah, yeah. yeah. What motivates you to share your story? Just to let people know it's not wrong to not be okay. Anybody can say they know what you're going through, but a lot of people may not, but they can help you get through it. Yeah. The biggest thing is asking for help, Mm -hmm. whether that be just talking to anybody about anything that's going on that day, you know, just be open. It's scary when you're going through it. And when you go through it alone, I was living with a roommate who happened to be out of town a lot. So I was at the house by myself. I had no one really to talk to. My, my parents were there. I could, you know, go in there on Sundays and have dinner, but it's like, how do you bring up like, Hey, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might yeah. be crazy, but they're going to look at you crazier, but knowing what I know now, I, I probably should have opened up to them earlier mm-hmm. instead of waiting until I get to that point, because the faster you talk about it, the faster you can get better. And it's not the end of the world at all. It just moving on to the next step. Yeah. It's just another, uh, hurdle in life. Yeah. That and it's like everything obstacle. going on now, everything's so stressful and it's stressful as it is, but like you power everything on the past two years, it, it gets crazy and you know, don't let it eat you up. Well, I think also in our line of work and being a mechanic, whether it's turf mechanic or, you know, any kind of mechanic, we're dealing with bad news all day long. For the most part. Yeah. So, and then, you know, life stuff on top of that. And I think it just makes the situation worse. It does. I mean, it piles on. I was always told you don't bring home the work, but it's not that easy sometimes. With things are going on at home, how can you not start your day bad if something's already bothering you? It's hard to shut it off. It's, it's, it's really easy for you to shut off work from home though. For me, it's easy because where I'm at, honestly, it's a lot different when I was working on cars or had cars hanging over, or if you're at a country club or a private club or being mm-hmm. a municipal, that's not like where I work. Yeah. But I said tomorrow, it was always another day. Yeah. It's how I look at it. Well, no, I think that's, that's a great outlook and really no matter where you are, if you can get the mindset, I think that helps your mental health. Oh yeah. As it's like, you know, turn it off at the end of the day, which is we say is easier said than done. But if you can turn it off and have a release doing something constructive, hopefully, um, yeah, to not go into the bar and bar, yeah, that's, that's but, uh, and I mean, honestly, this podcast helps me, yeah. I mean, and not just this episode that we're doing now, but all the episodes and meeting different people and hearing their story and. It kind of, you know, it, it gives me something to do. It gives me something to work on. gives me something to keep my mind busy. Definitely keeps you busy. Yeah. No, it definitely <laughs> keeps me busy. That's <laughs> sure. I can't believe y'all talk me into releasing an episode every week. Uh, hey. But hey, we're here. We're here. Was it going to be 30 this week? Yeah. Episode 30. It's crazy. It is, it's like, yeah. like, like episode 14 was that long ago. No, it was not. Nope. I guess 16 weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Now it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, no, uh, it's crazy, but it's been great. And uh, well, even when you started just the real turf, the list on Twitter, when you said, oh, I want to start this list. I'm like, well, what's that about? I go, like, oh, let's go get all these equipment. You know, turf guys. I'm like, oh, I like that. And then 
met so many more people, beaten so many more people just through the podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm sitting there where I'm from, where I'm working and I'm the only person to deal with stupid stuff. In some respects, yes. Some respects, obviously no. Everyone else, we're going through the same things. May not be as crazy some days, but mm -hmm. we all see crazy stuff. And it kind of goes the same with the mental health is you're not the only one going through it. Right. Well, I mean, it was really obvious and I'll talk about this more in the prelude to this episode about the WhatsApp group and, uh, Matthew coming out and telling his story. And it was yeah. amazing just to see a lot of other people in the group to open up and say, yeah, I've been there yeah. too, or I've, you know, experienced this. And so you're not alone. A lot of us goes through this kind of stuff. It's probably it was easier in the WhatsApp group for us to open up because it's not as public as Twitter, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to put a lot more words in the WhatsApp group than it is on Twitter sometimes to where you have to pick and choose what yeah, words yeah, you're yeah. going to use. That's it's, right. That's right. It's definitely a different thing, but yeah, it's definitely nice to be on that side too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. Thank you for coming Thanks on, John, on Trent. And, and telling your story. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. We'll be talking to you soon. Take it easy, Trent. Thank you, John, so much for sharing your story. As John mentioned, it's best to talk to your doctor before changing your medication. I know sometimes it's easy for us to think, oh, we can fix ourselves. But just like a mower in your shop, you might be able to fix it, but you wouldn't ask one of the guys that uses the mower all the time to fix it. Sometimes it takes a professional. John's story is a great reminder that you may try some solutions that aren't a good fit for you. Keep trying. You will get there. Until next time, see you bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Turf Techs podcast. I hope you learned something today. Don't forget to subscribe. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you'd like to be a guest, find us on Twitter at Real Turf Techs. See you back.